Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, we have Jackson White, my contributor. He is co-founder, editor-in-chief, Politiscope, TYT Rebel HQ creator. Top story of the day, Florida Democratic, former Florida Democratic gubernatorial candidate, Andrew Gillum faces federal indictment. Let me give you some background to this story. Now, he actually announced earlier today that he was expecting to be indicted. He tried to get in front of the story by saying that his actions have always had integrity. And then a few hours after his statement, the federal government released theirs. I'm going to give you both, all right? Andrew Gillum, the once rising star in the Florida Democratic Party who narrowly lost in 2018 against Ron DeSantis, I mean DeSantis, was hit with a 21 count federal indictment Wednesday for wire fraud related conspiracy charges and making false statements. I'm gonna give you some background to those charges and the allegations from the federal government as well as how long or how much time a person will serve in prison if convicted. Gillum, the former Tallahassee mayor was charged along with his mentor, Sharon Letman Hicks for fraudulently raising fundraising from various entities between 2016 to 2019. That time frame is important, I want you to remember it. That's according to the DOJ. The Justice Department said the two allegedly diverted money to a company controlled by Letman Hicks. Doesn't necessarily mean owned, but controlled, okay? who then disguised the funds as payroll payments back to Gillum. So let's understand the allegation of conspiracy. So far, what the government is alleging is that there was basically a scheme to transform campaign dollars into additional money for Gillum by way of a payroll check from a company controlled by his mentor. In a written statement, the mayor's lawyer, also proclaimed his innocence. Letman Hicks, a candidate for the state house seat, has not returned calls or text from NBC News requesting requesting comment. In his written statement, Gillum said, and I quote, I have spent the last 20 years of my life in public service and continue to fight for the people. Every campaign I've run has been done with integrity. Make no mistake that this case is not legal, it is political. Throughout my career, I have always stood up for the people of Florida and have spoken truth to power. There's been a target on my back ever since I was the mayor of Tallahassee. They found nothing then and I have full confidence that my legal team will prove my innocence now. So let's go to the legal team. His lawyer is Mark Elias. Mark says, who's a leading Democratic lawyer and top defense attorney, David Oscar Marcus also issued a joint statement that said they'll fight to clear his name. The government got it wrong today, according to the statement. The evidence in this case is clear and will show that Mr. Gillum is innocent of all charges. We look forward to putting this case to rest and giving Andrew and his family peace of mind once and for all. Now, according to NBC News, this indictment marks a new low for Gillum, a married father of three who withdrew from public life as a political leader and a paid CNN contributor after a March 2026 scandal involving a suspected male overdose victim in a South Beach hotel. Many of us remember that story. Uh, Now, 
I actually uh, am supportive of individuals who may have an addiction. And he did come out and say he had a problem, all right? I support you, okay? I used to be a drinking man myself. Haven't had a drink in years, thankfully. But that's part of life. The journey is up and down. Nobody's perfect, we get that. The allegations, however, I don't get. If this is true, I do not understand it. I don't know why anyone would act in this way. But there's more. At the time, Gillum did admit that he was abusing alcohol as he coped with his loss to DeSantis. But campaign finance records and elite criminal subpoena in 2019 showed that Gillum also had issues and pressure from an FBI investigation. Let me give you the rundown of what the charges are and what they would carry. So the maximum term for imprisonment based on the offenses are as follows. For making false statements, five years. Conspiracy to commit wire fraud, 20 years. Wire fraud, 20 years. That's according to the US Department of Justice press release. Now, naturally, of course, the guy's innocent until proven guilty. That's the standard in the court of law. There is no additional evidence put forward right now from the federal government. All we have is a press release from them and nothing more. I did hope that his attorneys would provide more context, more explanation. Sometimes they do, most times they do not in their own rebuttal to the federal government. As it stands now, we simply have two press releases and nothing else. We have a press release from the feds and we have a press release from Gillum and his team. All right, we'll follow this story obviously as it develops. The evidence will be put forward at the appropriate time. And I'm sure there will be leaks that happen before that. Jackson, thoughts here. Yeah, so, you know, Andrew Gillum's image uh, and positioning has really taken a lot of hits over the last few years. And unfortunately, you know, like you said, he's innocent until proven guilty. So we'll have to see how this continues to develop. But, you know, this investigation took place between 2016 and 2019. So if these things do come out to be true, then I think it's a sad case of seeing a man fall victim to the temptations of corruption. We see people in all levels of office, you know, commit fraud and, you know, do things like lower taxes for properties, all types of things like that. So people fall temptation all the time. But I think unfortunately, even if Andrew Gillum were to come out of this, you know, Scott clean, his he's kind of done in this arena. Because when he got caught up in that scandal, it just kind of made it look like he just lives a double life, which no matter what it is, it just looks like your integrity can always be in question. And so now this, you know, he just has really been on a, a spiral downward that's been pretty bad to watch. Yeah, and it, it was interesting to see when he lost the CNN gig, he actually resigned. They allowed him to resign. He leaves CNN, he's quiet for a few months, and then, then he comes out with a podcast that was actually moderately popular. And he interviewed some top names in the political realm. He was an effective recruiter, so to speak. And then now this happens. All right, as I said, we're gonna follow the story top to bottom, okay? Very sad, two North Carolina cops are now placed on administrative leave because they detained a man. That man died. Here's the video.
The man they killed is Christopher Hensley. Put up his picture with his family. Okay, I'm gonna give you the background to this. That's his wife. That's his child. That's his wife being pregnant as well. Christopher Hensley was only 35 years of age. He died after an alleged fight. Now witnesses disagree with this wording, but the cops are saying he fought them. Witnesses say he just tried to avoid arrest, it was, it was not a fight. With law enforcement on June 15th as a father and one time youth pastor, okay? He was a father and one time youth pastor. One of Hensley's neighbors who witnessed him being pinned down told the Citizen Times that she saw him get stunned with a taser at least twice and punched by officers. The neighbor said she did not understand why officers used a stun gun on Hensley. He was resisting arrest, she said, but never threw a punch or fought the officers while she was watching. The situation appeared to be a mental health crisis, according to the neighbor. Two Fletcher police officers were on the scene, all right? Two of them, and both have now been placed on administrative leave as the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation investigates. In an initial news release, the Fletcher Police Department said two officers were taken to the hospital for non-threatening injuries. Um, so here's what they're doing now. Um, they're playing hide the pickle, we don't know the officers who actually are involved. We don't have all of the information of every cop who was there. Now remember, they have now placed two officers on administrative leave. Did you see more than two cops there? Yes, you did. Why do you think only two were placed on administrative leave? Remember, there's now a duty to intervene, okay? If somebody is dying while in custody, if they're telling you they cannot breathe or they're telling you that they are suffering and you do nothing about it, you allow them to die in front of you and they are clearly showing signs that they are dying. They are telling you they are dying. You are doing things to kill somebody and there's no one there to intervene. No one is willing to step up. There should be more than two people on administrative leave, fired and or charged. But this is the routine. The routine is let's find the scapegoat or two. Let's not disturb the system. Let's just give them these people and yes, those people deserve penalty, they deserve punishment, yes. My point is this, many times we will fixate on what they give us, what they tell us the narrative is and forget that there's a culture that's unwilling to change because of leadership, all right? Um, let's go ahead and put up the chief. So for this story, the chief will be the Face of the story, this is the Fletcher police chief. His name is Daniel Terry. Chief Terry said that there were no reports that Hensley was armed, none, all right? The Hensley family has started a GoFundMe to pay for the funeral expenses. Let's put up the picture that you will see on the GoFundMe page so that when you go there, if you would like to help this family organize for the funeral, which is so sad that this is even part of their life now. Uh, the funeral expenses for Christopher Hensley, you can go to GoFundMe um, and there it is, all right? So life should be the most precious thing 
Law enforcement, they're supposed to protect and serve. They are part of the public safety dynamic of your local community. But routinely, they are the public safety problem. Jackson, thoughts on this? Well, the bottom line is that normal interactions with police officers or anybody in general, but especially police officers don't end in people dying. And one of the things that stuck out to me about this video the most, which reminded me a lot about the George Floyd incident and other incidences like this, is how slowly it happened. You know, they had this guy on the ground after tasing him and they basically, you know, not only did they crush him, but they were terrorizing him in the process. You know, they had all these other officers coming up, walking slowly up to the scene. And then my man started punching him in the legs, like totally beyond unnecessary. You know, the guy's already face down on the ground and they just terrorized this guy. And again, it was a slow process. And then you saw him, Oh, now let's do some CPR. Like, it's just when you see things like this, it's just really difficult to have faith unless you know how the process works, which is why I always go back to local elections because that's yeah. where this is going to change. That's right. Very well said. All right, new testimony. We now know that Trump supporters terrorized local election officials, terrorized the family of election officials. Let's go to the first. Uh, video, here it is. After the election, uh, my email, my cell phone was doxxed, and so I was getting texts all over the country. And then eventually, my wife started getting the uh, text, and hers typically came in as sexualized uh, texts, which were disgusting. You have to understand that uh, Trish and I, we met in high school, and we've been married over 40 years now. And so um, they started going after her, I think, just to probably put pressure on me. Why don't you just quit, walk away? And so that happened. And then some people broke into my daughter-in-law's home. And my son has passed and she's a widow and has two kids. And so we're very concerned about her safety also. Broke into his daughter-in-law's home. That is Raffensperger. Raffensperger is the Republican Secretary of State, the Chief Elections Officer in Georgia. Remember the phone call? Here it is. Why wouldn't you want to find the right answer, Brad, instead of keep saying that the numbers are right? So look, uh, can you get together tomorrow? And Brad, we just want the truth. It's simple. And uh, and everyone's going to look very good if the truth comes out. It's okay. It takes a little while, but let the truth come out. The and the, tr- the real truth is I won by 400,000 votes at least. So, why, so what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes, fellas. I need 11,000 votes, give me a break. Trump was fiending for votes like he was fiending for crack cocaine. It was unbelievable to have a United States president beg for votes. But what was he really begging for? It was power. Now, remember Trump, Giuliani and others, they decided to make villains out of hard working people, hard working black mothers in particular. Who signed up to do a job that doesn't pay a whole lot of money, but gives you a lot of satisfaction because you know you are part of a dynamic operation in democracy. These threats occurred once Raffensperger publicly and privately refuted Trump's claims. Reuters reported the break in, right? Which neither the committee nor Raffensperger detailed further at the hearing. 
The news service also reported last year that death threats and other threats of violence against Raffensperger and his wife continued months after the 2020 election. And that they spent a week in hiding, in hiding and canceled visits with the family in order for them and the family to stay safe. Members of the Oath Keepers, a far right militia group showed up outside of their home. Okay, these are Republicans threatening to kill Republicans. These are not Democrats, these are not progressive libertarians, people in the Green Party. No, these are other conservatives who would like to kill the family members of Republicans who actually decided to follow the law. Now, I'm not a Raffensperger fan. Raffensperger, even though he did what he did on that phone conversation, he actually supported legislation to restrict voting in the state of Georgia. So I have a policy issue with Raffensperger, but I don't want Raffensperger dead because we have a political issue, a policy dynamic. I don't want his wife dead. I don't want his children to die and homes be burglarized. I don't want that. All right, but Republicans do. And every conservative who decided to not say anything to those who follow them, any conservative leader who did not denounce this action immediately, well, they wanted it too. There's more. Besides Raffensperger, let's put up the picture of Miss Moss. Her name is Shay Freeman Moss, a former Georgia election worker, became the target of a conspiracy theory spread by Trump and his allies, it was all lies, all lies. Her life was turned upside down because of lies from Giuliani, Trump and others. She detailed how the allegations against her changed her entire life, here it is. I no longer give out my business card, I don't transfer calls. I um, don't want anyone knowing my name. I don't want to go anywhere with my mom because she might yell my name out over the grocery aisle or something. I don't go to the grocery store at all. I haven't been anywhere um, at all. I've gained about 60 pounds. I just don't do nothing anymore. I don't want to go anywhere. I second guess everything that I do. Um, It's affecting my life in in a major way. In every way, all because of lies. For me doing my job, same thing I've been doing forever. Trump is not a victim, she is. People like her, victims of these lies. In a call with Raffensperger, Trump brought up Moss 18 times, brought up Miss Moss 18 times. Meanwhile, Rudy Giuliani claimed in an appearance before the Georgia lawmakers that Miss Moss and her mother, her mother, Ruby Freeman, were seen on camera passing a suspicious USB drive while counting election results in Fulton County, Georgia. He insisted the two should have been questioned and had their homes searched for evidence, all right? Ms. Moss testified about what that was. It was simply a ginger mint that was being passed to her from her mother. 
her mother passed her a ginger mint. Not a USB drive. Moss also recalled the moment she found out about the targeted threats against her and her mother. Here it is. Of course, the first thing that I said was like, why? What, why, is, why are they doing this? What's going on? And um, they you know, just told me that Trump and his allies were not satisfied with the outcome of the election. And they, they were getting a lot of threats and um, being harassed online and asked me, you know, have I been receiving anything and I need to check on my mom. I went to the Facebook app and I'm just kind of panicky at this point because this has never happened to me and my mom is involved and I'm like her only child. So I'm just asking him like, well, where are the messages? All I see is the feeds, like how do you get to the messages? And he said, it's another icon on your phone that says messenger. And I went to that icon and it was just a lot of horrible things there. And those horrible things, did they include threats? Yes, a, a lot of threats, um, wishing death upon me, um, telling me that you know I'm, I'll be in jail with my mother and saying things like, be glad it's 2020 and not 1920. Yeah. Were, were a lot of these threats and, and vile comments racist in nature? A lot of them were racist. A lot of them were just hateful. Um, but yes, sir. I have more, all right? They actually tried a citizen's arrest. Let me be very clear about the performative nature of our bipartisan or multipartisan system in America or two-party system in America. Adam Schiff just validated under testimony that she received death threats. Did the DOJ under Trump or under Biden, have they launched an exhaustive investigation to criminally charge everyone who threatened everyone during that time? No, they do want her to testify to it because it fits what they're trying to do in this midterm cycle. Yes, it's performative, yes, it's political, and yes, it's necessary. This has to come out, but it should come out all the way. Follow the evidence to its natural conclusion, which is there are a bunch of white supremacist Trump supporting terrorists that need their asses locked up. That's it, that's the conclusion. Follow it till you get to that point, and then I will give you a hero cookie. There's more. Additionally, at one point, she recalled Trump's Trump supporters, Trump supporters, MAGA hat wearing Trump supporters, trying to push into her grandmother's house to do a citizen's arrest, claiming the grandmother was harboring Miss Moss. She was sent dozens of pizzas in the middle of the night, which then delivery people expected her to pay. Let's put up a picture of her and her mother. Her mother is still very supportive. This ordeal has been completely life changing for that entire family and in the worst way. Freeman detailed to the committee in a private testimony how her life changed as well. Here it is. I was Lady Ruby. My community in Georgia 
where I was born and lived my whole life, knew me as Lady Ruby. I built my own business around that name, La Ruby's Unique Treasures. I wore a shirt that proudly proclaimed that I was and I am Lady Ruby. I wore that shirt on election day 2020. I haven't worn it since and I'll never wear it again. <laughs> now I won't even introduce myself by my name anymore. I get nervous when I bump into someone I know in the grocery store who says my name. I'm worried about who's listening. I've lost my name and I've lost my reputation. I've lost my sense of security. All because a group of people starting with number 45 and his ally, Rudy Giuliani, decided to scapegoat me and my daughter, Shay, to push their own lies about how the presidential election was stolen. Put up their pictures again of them two together. That's Miss Shay, that's Miss Ruby. Those are good people. Those are good people who actually care about democracy. Those are good people who deserve their names back. But who took that away? Donald Trump, terrorist living amongst us in this country that this administration has failed to handle appropriately. I encourage everyone who sees this segment, make sure you know that those two women are real heroes, sheroes, dynamic individuals. They have nothing to be ashamed about, especially their names. All right, Jackson thoughts here. So I think that it's really sad to see just how much influence people in high places can have such that a random lie and a cheap lie at that, you know, saying that she was passing the USB cord and it actually was just a mint. That was just a cheap random lie yeah. that these people made. And it's had this much of a damaging effect on real people's lives who really aren't in a position to fight back. But this yep. is what makes the Republican base so dangerous. And why they're out of control, because not only do you have outlets like Fox News and other right wing outlets, and then the echo chambers online that people can get stuck in because of um, you know search engine algorithms, but also Donald Trump losing 60 court cases. It shows follow through, it, so it, shows, it, it, it shows tenacity. And all of that is pushing these people to do these types of things. We just saw Adam Kissinger who had his family threatened. Um, and then you know just pretty much anybody who's standing up against what they view as their ticket to power, they're actually going into the streets with. And unfortunately, this is gonna be a political obstacle that we'll have to continue to deal with over the decades, really. Yeah, and we're gonna continue to set the record straight on Indisputable. We got more on the other side, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Let me read some of these amazing comments. I don't have time to read all of them. I will read as many as I can. Mickey C, the silver hair dragon says, why was he arrested? Didn't Trump set the precedent that defrauded one supporters wasn't illegal? Trump defrauded his cult out of hundreds of millions of dollars and that wasn't illegal. Yeah, got a point there. Panda NOM, I could see it being a campaign member and Gillum is the fall guy. 
Um, Shakita Ganai, Beer Dragon, this woman's testimony, talking about the mega uh, terrorist testimony. This woman's testimony brings me to tears. The madness needs to stop, agreed. Uh, Natural born Keeler, uh, please give a shout out to my bestest female friend, Mo. She won't believe you'd actually do that. Uh, of course I will. All right, Travel Nurse Dragon. Uh, funny how theory, funny how they work. Uh, worry about money, but Matt Gates, who damaged the child, is still walking free. It is interesting, isn't it? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're gonna feel free. Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. What? Go ahead. Hi everyone. We're going. Go ahead. Karenicity runs deep in this one. She inconvenienced everyone on that plane, likely set back schedules across the spectrum of that day, maybe even longer. All right. Um, according to witnesses, this particular Karen, let's put a picture of full mass. Um, she yelled the N word, and we have not identified this particular Karen. If you know her, um, please do an intervention quickly. If you are a member for a family, I guarantee you, if you do not intervene, she will only embarrass you more. Jackson, thoughts here? Yeah, well, I think she was clearly drunk or high or spaced out on something because just so many of the you know, warning signals that your brain would normally give you just weren't going off. Getting all in people's face, yelling at them like, you know, she just was. She just was in a bad position, and it, did they turn the plane around? Is that what was what, what was happening? It looks yeah. like, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's definitely what should have been done. I mean, it was a huge inconvenience, but uh, you know, for just a peace of mind for the entire plane to get the drunk passenger off. Yeah, Karenicity and a little bit of airplane liquor is a hell of a combination. We've seen <laughs> this combination a few times on Indisputable, um, but once again, my grandmother would tell me uh, that a uh, that if a person is drunk. Uh, it gives them a sober tongue. And so they are talking as it is inside of them, all right? Just exposes them more. Um, interesting story. Georgia Marshall deputized cop, shoots and kills a dog. He should not have done that. Dog was running after him, but I don't think he should have killed him. Initially, some of the members of the government, they had his back, community, the community comes out, primarily a community of white 
members. They come out against the cop and guess what the government does? All right, let's put up his picture full mass. This was a marshal hired to oversee Spalding County, Georgia Animal Control Department, along with code enforcement violations has been fired after shooting and killing a dog. Spalding County Marshal Smart Webb arrived arrived at Galarza household after a complaint came about roaming goats on the property. Allison says she realized that Webb and an animal control officer were on a property unannounced. She and her 16 year old sister and her son all rushed to try and get the dogs inside the house. She says the dogs were not being aggressive, but she wanted to keep them safe. All right, that gives you some context here. They are on the property. They are not there because of dogs, they are there because of goats. There's no animal aggressive, according to the homeowner, okay? As she, being the homeowner, was trying to grab Allison, the Boston Terrier, she says Webb shot it while she was just two feet away. Just two feet away. She never talked to me, she said. He talked, he never talked to me, she said. He talked to me after he kills my dog. All right. Now, I've done a little more digging into this story. He should not have killed the dog. All right. It wasn't necessary. The dog was not aggressive. It was just a dog running. All right. Um, let's put up the county manager. I'm going to give you some background to this. County manager Steve Ledbetter says, and I quote, uh, Miss Isabella's pit bull aggressively ran toward the marshal in a way that led the officer to believe he was going to be attacked. The marshal took measures to protect himself from the dog attack. Um, she denies that her dog was aggressive. She also says he, uh, she doesn't own a pit bull, all right? So initially, the county manager, uh, they come out, they defend the guy. He's one of us, okay? He's the police and he shot a dog. Well, the community gets outraged and they should have been. But do you think they would have been outraged if an unarmed black man was running toward that same cop? Hmm? Maybe somebody with a mental health issue. Do you think the entire government would have completely changed their minds because the community spoke out? Let me give you some more background. The county manager announced in the meeting, this was a public meeting that Webb, the marshal, would no longer serve as county marshal just after three months. He was there for three months. Sheriff Diggs has revoked Mr. Webb's depth utilization and he is no longer with the county. A county official announced Webb has already was already under GBI criminal conduct investigation stemming from his time as a police chief in Woodbury, Georgia. Now, let's put up the picture of the marshal again. Put him up. That cop was the police chief in another Georgia town. He, according to the GBI, was corrupt. So he leaves that jurisdiction under investigation by the Georgia Bureau of Investigations and Spalding County, they decide to make him their marshal. Please understand this. They knew he was corrupt. They knew he was under investigation. They knew this was a problematic hire. He kills a dog and everything in his life changes. 
Um, let me remind you of how sometimes animal lives are more, more valued than black lives. White, blue, and furry lives matter more than black lives tragically cut short on the daily, seriously. Why would black Americans think our lives matter in a country that cares more about abused chickens than a black woman killed in police custody after routine traffic stop? Demands of justice for Cecil and the lion and others, the whale and pinky, the flamingo, a silence for Sandra Bland. That's from Alex Ford. So if you get some time, look at the story as well. Beyond this segment, what you will see is an entire community of white men and white women mobilizing against this marshal because he killed a dog. He should not have killed that dog, but he never should have been hired. He never should have been hired to damage that family in that way. He never should have been hired to even be in that position. But the irony of the story is this, while I agree with the firing, that should have been the call on day one, not defending him, but immediately firing him. The irony is this, you know and I know, if that was a black man rather than a black dog, he would still have his job. You and I know that. Jackson thoughts here. So yeah, so you know, as you pointed out, a four-legged family companion has more precedent over the lives of black men because of imagery, because of culture, because of messaging. Dogs pose no threat to the community. They make the family household better. They, you know, give us companionship, they give us something to love. But black men are criminals, and every time they see black people on TV, it's probably a music video or it's probably Fox News or it's probably Newsmax complaining about Juneteenth or something along those lines. So, and again, this guy was hired, you know, he shouldn't have been hired, but he was hired because he would have been less to train. He, he, he was a veteran, he already had his stars, he already knows what to do, he's part of the brotherhood. So this is just how it goes, but you know, it's good that he got fired for it. But uh, absolutely, this would have been a much more drawn out process had he shot a black man or he just would have remained on the force. Yep, all right, we got more on the other side, stick and stay. Welcome back. All right, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Um, I am Sock says, there's a lot of money to be made in anti-care and technology, but wants to go in on the ground floor with me. We need like an app or something where we document Karenicity all across the country and we put up a profile. And, and every time you're around a Karen, it alerts you that there's a Karen in the area. All right, okay. Mm. DJ Vim, DJ Vern, excuse me. We have a Karen situation, sorry for the delay. That would have been great. At one day, a pilot is going to say that, I promise you. One day is going to happen. Um, Chef Rockstar, I've seen cops shoot family dogs all the time. Wonder why this one was different. I can't seem to see the difference. Yeah. Thank you, Miriam, welcome. Double doser, I appreciate you. Natural born Keeler, welcome to Indisputable. I appreciate you, appreciate you both. All right, make sure you join 
You can subscribe for free, but you join, become a member on the Indisputable YouTube channel, all right? We have varying levels, would love to connect with you even more. All right, every day something new. What if I told you that while children and teachers were being killed by a mass shooter and the Uvalde cops were twiddling their thumbs because they were scared and are cowards. There was actually one cop who was trying to get in and save his wife and children. He was trying to do the right thing. What happened to that cop? Well, we know now they took his gun away and they escorted him off of the property. His wife died. Let's put up her picture. Shocking testimony from the Texas DPS director on Tuesday has revealed even more insight into the abject failure of response in the Uvalde shooting that occurred on May 24th. Okay. I don't want you to, to forget. What happened here? That is a school teacher. The Texas Department of Public Safety Director, Colonel Stephen McGraw, McGraw revealed that the husband of slain elementary teacher, Eva Merlis, tried to save her. The husband tried to save her, but was barred by the police. By the police, Ruben Ruiz is a police officer for the school district and was on the scene after the gunman entered the school and opened fire. He's there. McGraw said the wife called the officer and told him, the officer is her husband, told him, and I quote, that she had been shot and was dying. And what happened to him is he tried to move forward into the hallway, McCross said. He was detained. They arrested him. They detained the police. The police detained him, took his gun, disarmed him, and escorted him off of the scene. Do you understand how insane this is? Hmm? Children and teachers are being killed at that same time. There's a cop who says, well, damn it, I'm going in. No, 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 no. Now all of these other cops, they proceed to basically arrest the cop, take his gun and escort him. I'm sure they probably did more than just escort him off the property, okay? I'm sure there was some physical dynamic happening there. So this is what they did. You have someone who's actually willing to try, to try and save the life of his wife and perhaps other children. And the police stop them. At what point are the police involved going to, I don't know, lose their badge, lose their job? When are we going to disarm them? When are we going to get the footage of what happened in the hallway of that school? When are we going to see accountability when they're dead children? 
and police officers who were negligent. Here's what McCraw said. Now I want to remind you, I'm no Steve McCraw fan. This guy's a hardcore conservative, hardcore Republican, but damn it, he got it right on this one. Here's what he said. However, we do know this. There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there was sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. The officers had weapons, the children had none. The officers had body armor, the children had none. The officers had training, the subject had none. One error, 14 minutes and eight seconds. That's how long the children waited and the teachers waited in rooms 111 to be rescued. And while they waited, the on-seat commander waited for a radio and rifles. Then he waited for shields. Then he waited for SWAT. Lastly, he waited for a key that was never needed. Just a few days ago, we reported on that key. Literally, the door was unlocked. They said they could not get into the door because it was locked. They were waiting on the key. The door did not need a key. I don't buy the story. I don't buy that story from the police. I don't think they wanted to go on that door. When have you known the police to wait on a damn key to get inside of a door? Now, if there was an unarmed black man on the other side of the door. You think they would have waited on the key? Not according to the reporting we've done. I think they were cowards, scared. I don't think they wanted to go inside of that door. And I think that was the story they were gonna come up with if they were caught. They've been caught. Now, the story is, we, 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 we had to wait on the key, boss. Well, guess what? Another part of the story, they actually had a device that could open locked doors that they never used. You still think they were waiting on the key, waiting on backup, waiting on armor, they had it all. They had it all, they did nothing. When are they going to be held accountable? When are we going? to have a press conference and someone says, we're gonna make an example out of these cops. This will never happen again. Here are the cops names. When is that going to happen? Jackson thoughts here. So, you know, bottom line is this is one of the most shameful and embarrassing responses by law enforcement that any of us have ever witnessed in modern times. And the reality is, is that it will only encourage more acts of violence if people see that police respond this horribly to it. And this man was stopped from taking action as if a better plan of action was in motion. But every single week we see that the revelations of what the police officers did on the scene, it just gets worse and worse. There was no better plan of action in motion. And you know, as you pointed out, these men didn't do anything about it. And the commander didn't do anything about it because they didn't want to. You know, it likely took more force and more restraint and more effort to get this man out of the building than it would have to go in and take out this untrained kid with all of the equipment that they had. So all of them should be fired and all of them should be made an example out of because it's not only important for law enforcement, but as I pointed out, this will encourage more acts of violence.
Yeah, there you go, well said. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Huh? Move. Come on, Lee. Come on, Lee. Come on, Lee. Get your ass out of here. Move. Get your Get that. Son of a bitch. I'm gonna get you, you. Yeah, the Karenicity in this one runs deep. Let's put up his picture for mass. We have identified who he is, the man who decided to attack a young brother who was simply selling tamales. Now, who in the hell is anti-tamale, okay? It's already a bad person. So let me give you some background to this. The racist person that you see in front of you who utilized many racial slurs against a young male. This racist San Pedro male Karen has been identified as Chris Shelby. He's a plumber and a pipe fitter. But this actually has a good ending. After the local community heard about this, they rallied in droves to support the vendor. They even went outside of the male Karen's home to show their disgust for what he did. That's how you come together as a community. All right, Adrian, thoughts on this? I really do like how this ended because too often do we see individuals who engage in this Karen type behavior get away with it or just go on about living their lives. But now the community has come out and said, we see you and we know exactly who you are and letting him know that that behavior is not acceptable. And it's not just going to be one individual against one individual, but it's going to be his neighbors, the people in his city or town against him. And that's a powerful thing. We need more people to do that. Big yeah, time. absolutely. Yeah, it looks like this entire neighborhood were made of and was made of anti-Karens, all right? And they stepped up to the plate. Racism, racism, racism from hosts and commentators, all because of Juneteenth. They're now saying the private thing out loud, thing, things they would say typically at home, they're saying out loud. All right, let's go to uh, Newsmax. The last thing this country needs is another opportunity to get wasted. And that's what people are doing, all right? We drink on the Super Bowl, we drink on Christmas, and people are drinking on this Juneteenth. And yeah, all across the country, pub crawls, yeah, Juneteenth bar crawl. Let's drink up to honor what happened in Texas all those years ago. You know, again, this country, we have major, major addiction problems all over the place. Yet another opportunity to drink or get high? No, because if you put this stuff together, especially in urban areas where the Juneteenth celebrations have been the most intense, you got alcohol plus guns, plus time on your hands, plus weed, plus heat, and the overall resentment of the system. What's that gonna result in? Any guesses? <laughs> That's Greg Kelly, he's a racist ass host on Newsmax. You can tell his mama I said that. And he decided to take the opportunity of Juneteenth and racialize it and be racist against it. 
Now, I guarantee you, he would not have that same attitude if the federal government passed a law that created a a national holiday for the Confederates. No issue there. This is something we need to celebrate. This is America. This is our history. Okay, there's more. Charlie Kirk, let's put him up. He decided to make his voice known on Twitter. Charlie Kirk said, America has one Independence Day. And it's not June 19th. There, I said it. Okay, it's Charlie Kirk, all right, joining in on the racist madness. Uh, the Harry E. Reid Insurance Agency in Maine would also voice their displeasure. So, this company, the Harry E. Reid Insurance Agency, said, Juneteenth, it's whatever. We're closed. Enjoy your fried chicken and collard greens. That is the Harry E. Reid Insurance Agency in Maine. Steve King also got in on the racist action in a racist commentary. Steve King says, I spent Juneteenth all day in the hot sun, hoeing and pulling weeds and thinking about what it would have been like to have been a slave at the end of the day. I thought about what it would be like to be an aborted baby. I got to see the sunrise and the sunset. Isn't that something? Juneteenth was peaceful. It was a celebration of independence of black people from the dynasty, the evil dynasty of slavery. Now, I don't jump around hoping that a politician goes to DC and gives us a holiday. I want you to give us policy. But at the same time, to have this kind of racist energy against a celebration of movement, progress in America shows their true colors. No pun intended. Jackson thoughts. Yeah, so um, bottom line is they just don't think that black people deserve any pride or spotlight and they don't wanna see it. Um, it. They're just a bunch of grumpy old losers who can't get down with the times. But Charlie Kirk, it's like, you know, when he says, you know, America only has one Independence Day. And it's like, do you really wanna go there? Do you really wanna get into the nitty gritty details of how this country came to be and how it still operates? And then Stephen King, that's like, dude, shut up. No, you didn't. Like, I spent all day and I had this revelation. I was just working the fields and I was it like, no, you didn't. You just made a stupid random tweet because it's Juneteenth and you're a racist moron. Like, you didn't go through any type of elongated process where you had, you know, I thought about all the ins and outs of slavery. Like, no, you didn't. You, you worked in your garden for 10 minutes and you went inside and you drank a beer. Like, shut up. Yeah. But you know, there's nothing that these people can do about it because we coming. Yep, there it is. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of comments. Um, Chicago Gennady Beer Dragon says, let's get the good doctor a webbing. All right, you put it in the universe, something may come back. Thank you for that. Lynn says uh, the Uvalde cops stopped parents and the police from entering the school as they bullied the parents and the press who were there. That is accurate, they sure did. Um, let's go to Twitch, not a dragon. They stopped him because they can't afford to have a hero cop making the rest of them look bad, pathetic. Isn't that something? Okay, 
A student has been arrested for bringing a ghost gun to school. This was a ghost gun, meaning one of these guns that are basically created by people. 13 year old, damn shame. 13 year old at Isaac J. Gordine Middle School in Fort Washington, Maryland was arrested. Was arrested after bringing a loaded ghost gun to the school. Police said the student showed the weapon to other students and a student did report it. All right, as a precaution, the school was placed on lockdown. That is their protocol. Nobody was injured in the incident. The student um, had this weapon. Uh, there's more information developing. At approximately 8:15 a.m., police department said in a statement Tuesday, uh, at, responded to the school in the 8700 block of Allentown Road for the report of a student with a gun. Officers located the student in the classroom. A non-serialized ghost gun, all right, was recovered from his waistband. No one was injured. The prelim investigation revealed a 13-year-old student showed the weapon to other students in the morning, one of whom reported it. Good for that student. The investigation into this incident is ongoing and developing. In a letter sent to families, the school urged parents to discuss school safety with their children, okay? The safety of our students is our top priority. Please assist in our efforts to maintain a safe learning environment by discussing with your child acceptable behaviors that support a positive school climate. Discuss with your child the consequences such as expulsion for bringing weapons or anything that resembles a weapon to school. Please encourage your child to always immediately report the sighting of any weapon or suspicious objects on school grounds to a staff member, to a staff member or trusted adults. Or the school can send a letter to the lawmakers and say no to ghost guns. They can send that letter too. Um, let's go to the council member, put his picture up for a mass. Prince George's County at large council member Mel Franklin hopes to take measures to address the incident. The council member said in an interview, I think our oversight committee is going to have to look at it. I think our police chief is going to need to address it. Obviously our school system is trying to address it. All of those things need to come together to really come up with what our game plan is going to be. The student who let authorities know about this ghost gun situation, he's a hero. That student probably prevented a school shooting and could have saved many lives. That's why we really have to encourage our young people. If they see something, they need to say something. Lives could depend on it, all right? Once again, let's put up the politician who decided to speak on this. He says nothing about ghost guns, nothing about the gun culture, nothing about where the kid got the gun from, how did this originate? Now, naturally, the kid is going to take the fall for it. The kid has been arrested, but the kid got the gun from somewhere and it wasn't another child, it was an adult. I guarantee you that. Maybe he snuck it out the house. See, those are the questions that I would ask if I was a council member of a local community. All right, it's great. School system sent out. Uh, an email to parents, good for them. Now, let's get to the bottom of what really happened here. Jackson, thoughts here? 
Yeah, well, unfortunately, we can't afford to uh, take any risks. We can't afford to pass up any chance to act on these types of things. And we have to continue to encourage kids to speak up because these types of things are a normal part of their lives now. I mean, I'm 30 years old and stuff like this was starting to pick up speed as I was a little kid. But kind of as I started to get a little out of that situation, now it's picking up. Now it's so normal. Now it's something that, again, younger generations need to be trained, unfortunately, to be able to deal with, to always be on the lookout. Because until Congress really does something about guns, this won't stop. Unfortunately, that's the truth. Yep, well said. We reported on this earlier, uh, that guy is running for US Senate. He made a commercial, that commercial basically tells people, you need to kill Republicans and liberals. That's what it says, we reported on it, we said it seemed like a threat to us. Now, GOP leaders in particular one is in contact with the cops about that guy and his commercial. Let me remind you of the commercial. Merrick Drayton's Navy SEAL and today we're going rhino hunting. The rhino feeds on corruption and is marked by the stripes of cowardice. Join the MAGA crew, get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save our country. All right, so this is in Missouri. Uh, if you've never heard of the guy, he actually used to be a governor. For a very short amount of time, he had to leave because he was corrupt, okay? So now he's running for, for the US Senate uh, in Missouri, and there's some more. Eric Greeton uh, has been at the center of controversy ever since that particular commercial came out. Well, he does, in my opinion, threaten others with death. There's more to this story. Leader Caleb Roden of the Missouri State Senate, majority leader there, released a tweet. It said, and I quote, we have been in contact with the Missouri Highway Patrol and hope that former Governor Graytons finds the help he needs. Anyone with multiple accusations of abuse toward women and children should probably steer clear of this rhetoric. We were able to report on his multiple allegations of child abuse and more a few days ago, okay? So the former governor, now US Senate candidate, decided to defend his actions in an interview with none other than Steve Bannon. Here it is. There's one thing about being provocative. There's another thing about crossing a line. Do you believe in hindsight now that it's out, you've seen all the controversy, but you've also seen the traffic I'm sure it's driven to your campaign site. When you balance provocative versus maybe I crossed the line here, where does Eric Greitens come out? Oh, we're 100% proud of this ad, Steve. We're glad that it's had over 5 million views. And the fact is, all normal people who actually see this ad, they also see that it is a metaphor. Yeah, that's what he says, all right? Um, so Morning Joe had an issue with this. So uh, Scarborough said, and I quote, this is fascism, all right? That was a quote. Scarborough said in yesterday's installment, I tried to bring this up and there were a couple of people being polite yesterday going, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't call it that. 
Yeah, I don't know where this fascism is. It's fascism. This is using violence and violent imagery to basically tell people vote for me. A civil war is coming. All right, Scarborough got it right. In response to Scarborough's comment, this is what the former governor offered. Eve, and you know what? I would happily accept an invitation and be happy to go on with Joe and Mika to debate all of those issues. And the reason why they engage in name calling against me, the reason why they engage in name calling against President Trump, the reason why they engage in name calling against all of the true America first candidates and all of the true MAGA leaders is because they can't actually debate on the issues. He does have a Democratic opponent. Uh, his name is Lucas Kuntz. Uh, Lucas released this. I'm Lucas Kuntz, a Marine veteran and Democrat running for US Senate. This guy, Eric Greitens, is my Republican opponent. Join the MAGA crew, get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save our country. Now he thinks that teenagers, criminals and terrorists should be able to get their hands on a weapon like this. Well, assault, blackmail, and stealing from a veterans charity? For any everyday Missourian, the question wouldn't be what type of gun he's gonna buy. The question would be, how long is he gonna be in prison? Eric Greitens got a free pass because he was a politician with power. Send me to the US Senate and I'll end that double standard. Lock him up. Yeah, so that's the Democratic opponent. Now, remember, I've said this before, and I hope it sinks into everyone who sees this segment. The spirit, the essence of the MAGA movement, the Trump movement, the conservative party is now violence upon violence. There is no nuance to that. This is their character. This is who they are. Jackson thoughts. So my favorite part is when he says that the reason why you know people like Joe Scarborough and, and, and the likes do name calling of him and Trump is because they don't wanna debate the issues. As if you or anyone else has any interest in truly debating the issues, or if you're even prepared to debate the issues as we know you weren't, because as you pointed out, the whole point is the violence, the whole point is the takeover. And they're gonna continue to go down that path. But the bottom line is that this guy really, really does not need to be in the Senate. He really doesn't need to be in office and he doesn't have any tact or self-awareness for him to make an ad like this and then say, all the normal people who saw that could see it was a metaphor. But what about all the other people who are not happy with it? Oh, those people don't count. Like this dude's a loser, it, yeah. first and foremost. Like this guy's a loser. He's not even concerned about truly winning. He's just a, well, I don't know if I can curse, but I almost did. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, he, he doesn't need to be in office in Missouri, my home state. We need to do everything we can to make sure he doesn't win. Yeah, there you go. We got more on the other side, indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, okay, we got a lot of show left. Let me read a few of these comments. Um, Ghost Gun, the lucky minute says, I'm surprised it made the news. This happened at our school multiple times and never made the news. Isn't that something? New YouTube members, all right. We got Robert Evans, thank you, welcome to Indisputable. We appreciate that, Twitch. New Moon, JLP, 
Oh yeah, Bannon is exactly who I go to for defending my legitimate actions. <laughs> That's right. Um, stellar wingman. He sounds like he needs a visit to the bullpen. You know what? Let's do that. All right. So, um, Alex, let's go ahead and invite the guy to the bullpen. Let's see if he will accept my invitation to debate me. Uh, and listen, I let him pick out the debate topics, like I do actually with virtually every bullpen guest. They actually get to submit what they would like to debate me on. Okay. All right. I'm glad you put that in the universe. I didn't even think to combine those two since he's looking for a fight. I mean, tell me to come to the back of the schoolhouse. Okay. All right. Uh, the cops made such a negligent error that it caused a man to commit suicide. This is such a horrible story, right? Let's put up the picture full mass of Brian Temple. 34 years of age, he killed himself on New Year's Eve in 2017. We now have the rest of the story. An inquest was heard how a UK man was found dead over suicide after what the cops in the UK are saying was human error. You know why he killed himself? Keep his picture up. He killed himself because the cops said he was a pedophile. It was a mistake, they say. They fumbled the paperwork. He was actually in jail for petty theft, not pedophilia. It was almost seven months after the alleged theft of a packet of sausage, where the police reports mistakenly described that young man as a pedophile. In the months that followed, Temple began to drink heavily. He started to take a mixture of both prescribed medication and recreational drugs to cope with threats and abuse. Ultimately, Temple's death was suicide by hanging. His body was found by his brother after his family became concerned. They had not heard from him all day. Let me give you some background. June 20th, it was heard that upon arriving home from custody, Mr. Temple gave his release papers. All right, he came home. He gave his release papers to his then girlfriend. He didn't read them, he didn't look at them. They said, all right, here are your papers, you gotta come to court. Here's what you're charged with. Okay, cool, I know what I'm charged with. He takes the papers, he brings them, gives them to his girlfriend. Unbeknown to him, the police made an error in the paperwork in which they produced the wrong information. The letter stating he had been in custody for inciting sexual relations with a 13 year old girl, which he had not done. He had not done this. Not at all, nothing near this, but it was in the paperwork. So he hands the paperwork to his then girlfriend. Girlfriend looks at the paperwork, what do you think she does? What do you think her reaction is, all right? Temple's then girlfriend began telling people of the incorrect information, which in turn caused people to lash out at Mr. Temple. He was reportedly verbally abused in the street, attacked in his own home, and hit around the head by a golf club. He also reported threats and assault to the police, the court heard. But visits by police welfare officers to Temple's home only fueled unfounded suspicions about him, the court was told. Detective Sergeant 
Agar of Cleveland Police said in the statement that he dealt with Mr. Temple's complaint of the incorrect papers on November 28, 2017. And he said the bail sheet was a genuine human error. That's all. The independent office for police conduct began an investigation into Mr. Temple's passing. So an error like this will not happen again at Cleveland Police. They concluded that human error was the main judgment of the papers. This and this occurrence was incredibly unusual. So there's no confusion. UK Cleveland Police is the territorial police responsible for an area in Northern England. Okay, so just so you understand that. The man is dead. He committed suicide because they fumbled paperwork. And they really did not do a massive campaign to correct it. Unfortunately, this could have been avoided. We're running out of time. Jackson, your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, this is why professionalism is so important. And this is why holding authority to account is so important. You know, because them saying human error, you know, I could see if, you know, he stole a packet of sausage, if they say he stole something else that he didn't steal, but stealing a small amount of food to molesting a little girl is very different. So, you know, this is very unfortunate that his life ended up coming to an end in this fashion due to lack of professionalism. Yeah, and it's getting to a point now that if the police are saying one thing, if somebody that you know is saying something else, you can't just believe the police. That's it's getting to that place now. And it's because of the police. It's the police fault for their own word becoming mud in these streets. They have proven time and time again that they are not only incompetent, but sometimes downright corrupt. All right. So I question everything now. That's just where I'm at. All right. Remember. Take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.